Welcome to episode 39 of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn and with me, as always, is Mr. Matt Leach. Hello, how are you? Hi. Today, we've got Mr. Dave Foster. Hello. <laughs> Dave, are you into Pokemon Go? No. Okay. Can I hate you, it. So I haven't even tried it. It's really ignorant of me. I, I haven't tried it. I just can't because I, I, I will get addicted. I, I can tell. Mm. So so let's, let's make a rule that we won't talk about it here. Okay. Just one point I want to make is that the sidewalk did not need more people not looking where they're going. <laughs> I just, it's insane. It is. It is. I have been watching it. It is. It's a thing. It's a. It's one of the biggest memes. Can we call it a meme? It is a meme. It's not a meme. It's, it's there's going to be it's a lot of memes that come out of it. I think there's yeah. memes that yeah stemmed from it because it's popular culture, but it's oh, not. There are already memes. So what do we call yeah. it then? A phenomenon. Ah. It's a digital phenomenon or a social phenomenon. I would right. say. Right. Because yeah. like like it or hate it, we're talking about it. Like everyone's talking. about it. I know. It. We just said we wouldn't talk about. It. Okay, let's not talk about it. Dave Foster. Hello. Here Hello. in the studio with us. Thanks for having me. I've known you for. Over 15 years. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And I think when we were preparing for this, I was like, oh, I'll just write a quick bio of Dave. I know him well enough. And then I am blown away by the amount of awards you've got. Oh, thanks, man. How does that feel? Um, awards, I, I, I like getting them. It's nice to get them. I don't seek them out purposefully, but when there's an opportunity and I have – the content to enter and maybe there's a low risk and a high reward then i don't see any reason not to uh, my market is graphic designers really so a lot of people have found out about my work through awards so i think it's kind of different for a graphic designer it's probably less of a utility but for me they're my audience and when they see like the work i'm doing they want to hire me so so you you're a what would you call yourself you're an independent typographer um uh, if you want to talk about terminology, then type design is is making fonts. Mm-hmm. Calligraphy is writing stuff. Lettering is drawing letters that aren't fonts. Uh, and typography is using fonts to make graphic design. So I'm not really a typographer. I'm I'm a type designer and a and a letterer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. that's most of my work right now. Right. I'm going to save that little bumper for later to give to the students and go, right, yeah, when anyone awesome. asks me what's the, <laughs> what's the difference, I'm going to say, well, I don't really know, but listen to what Dave said. So I just want to take us right back because I think the Dave Foster I know I think is really important that everyone does realise because when I met you, you were a bit of, I'm going to say prodigy because, no. well, you were 15. Well, hang on. I How was did young. I, yeah. I wasn't very smart. Like, I give you the fact that I knew what I wanted to do early. But yeah. that doesn't make me prodigy. Well, it's just well, okay. That's really interesting because you really did know. Because I even spoke to your mum, and your mum was talking about that you were just you just weren't interested in school. Yeah, I, I knew. I just had a gut feeling that, that graphic design was the direction that I wanted to take my life in, and I was attending a fairly expensive school, and I just thought like, there's no point wasting two years of my life and a lot of money when I know what I want to do and I can potentially get there faster. And was it graphic design at that point? Yeah. I didn't know that the world of type design existed. Hmm. I found out about typography at, at Billy Blue. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was, it was pretty amazing because I remember we had to bend the rules quite a lot. Yeah. I'm really lucky because Billy Blue was established the year I was born and then... Wow. I was the first class from Billy Blue that was allowed to get a degree. So it worked out fairly fortuitously for me. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so you're pretty young with a de- 
design degree then, right? Yeah, I was uh, 19 or something. Yeah, but, cool. Uh, like, I owe that to 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 Billy Blue and to specifically probably you and Simon Pemberton because um, I had an interview with Simon. He was very kind and I went in with my little A4 portfolio of yeah. sketches I'd done in class or whatever and... Uh, he was yeah he let me in you, you were so you were so focused and I, I just remember thinking wow how does someone get that focused in at, at, at 15 as well I guess yeah I think you know I had my brother was is eight years older than me right and we had like he's very interested in computers I think we had like a bootleg version of photoshop on the computer and around that time like what is it like early 2000s there was a lot of kind of 3D abstract exploding things on the internet. Mm. What was the internet at that point? Yeah. And I just loved doing that style of stuff and I thought this is what graphic design is and then I found out that it's more kind of illustrative, I guess. How did it feel and we've talked about this in the past a little bit, but how did it feel being I mean you were clearly the youngest person in the class with 18 plus. Yeah. Um, I was worried when I left school. That was my main concern, not not the learning aspect, but the social aspect of, you know, I won't have I won't have a formal. I won't, you know, like I probably fade away from my friends pretty quickly that I had in high school, and that happened. But I, you know, I made a bunch of new friends, and the age gap was less of a deal uh, as I got further into my education. And all those people are still my best friends now. Mm. You clearly built like a quite quite a big social group around you. And that you know, it's amazing. Like uh, they're people, they're people hiring me now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's a cool. It's a good ten year plan. I think yeah. twelve year plan. Yeah, make friends. That's my advice. Make as many friends as you can. But uh, you know, it's true. I think almost all of my friends have somehow gotten me, a, you know, a fairly cool job. Yeah. To do. yeah. You just ditch all the ones that never got you any work. Yeah, yeah, basically. Dead weight. To me, dead weight. <laughs> cut it off. Did you did you um, try to look for work at a like a design studio or a design agency when you graduated, or were you already on the kind of trajectory uh, to no. go where you are now? No, I, I was planning on being a graphic designer. So before I went to Billy Blue, oh, wow. I, I had an ABN and I'd done a little CD cover for New South Wales Fisheries because my brother's friends worked there at the time. So. Yeah, I've always really... Ha- I've had my ABN for a really long time, actually. It's like, that's yeah. a symbol for me, like, of my sole tradership. In so a way. what was the cover? What was it was, the cover it was like, a really bad Photoshop blend of, like, a fish and some dudes on a boat, like, just <laughs> Photoshop, like, the photos they'd sent me, and I just kind of blended them all together with the airbrush tool yeah, right. and put some Times New Roman, put the logo on the bottom. It was actually quite tasteful for a first attempt at graphic design, <laughs> I think. That um, sounds swell. For, you know... Considering that some people would go for, you know, pink curls MT with, like, drop shadows and stuff. Yeah, it was pretty simple. Um, so back to where we were, I guess. Um, <laughs> so talk, talk, talk us through... So you left wanting to be a graphic designer. Yeah, I, I worked um, with Mentally Friendly for a short period as a when there were about three people. Uh, yeah, so Krez and... It was, it was Nick and John, Nick, and, John and, and a few few other people right maybe i mean might have even just been them mm. i can't remember clearly now is that up on Ox- on the oxford street no place uh, okay. no in surrey hills yeah. on foster street i think it was 
you'd, Dave you'd, Foster you'd Foster. remember, right? It I need to get an office on it, Foster Street. It was right? named after him, so Foster Street, Foster Type. Dave, <laughs> I was like, imagine the business card would be awesome. Oh, man, yeah, um, it's got to be number four as well. Four Foster Street, yeah, Foster exactly, Design by exactly. Dave Foster. That'd be like a Mark by Mark Jacobs situation happening. <laughs> yeah, to get my own shirts made. But um, I, I worked with them, and then I got a job at Common with Mark Stott. Yep. And I worked there for two years and then Common kind of uh, changed a little and I moved on from there. And then... I remember I f- Mark crying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he cried a lot. No, he... he <laughs> I love you, Mark. Uh, and then I started my freelance career. I tried at that point to get a job at places that I really loved. Like, I think at the time it was like Bibliotheque and yeah. Made Thought and... Um, a lot of different places and that was roughly the time I made a connection with Mark Gowing who's been a mentor for me for, and a good friend of mine for a long time mm. I recently worked with him for about a year in 2014 I think cool. 15 um, so were you full t- was that, so when you say you work with Mark Gowing like, so mm. were you working full time with him or you're working on I was working about three or? days a week with yeah. Mark cool and mostly on books and movie posters and yep. it was a great opportunity to apply my lettering and my type to graphic design again get my hands dirty mm. I've kind of skipped ahead through my whole career to get to that point but uh, the point I wanted to make was that I met Mark I, I sent Mark an email and then he got me in on a few jobs but it never really there was never really an opportunity to go and work at that studio but we stayed in touch, and um, he was very generous with his time. He runs a pretty tight ship, though, doesn't he? He's yeah, like, he does. He's expanding <coughs> he, he a little now. Yeah. But but at the time, it was just him and, a, and an assistant, and that that position was really never vacant. And yeah, I just kept freelancing after that. So hmm. where? But you made a massive move. Mm. So you basically moved o- overseas to the Netherlands. Yeah. So just before that, so at towards the end of my freelance graphic design, I got a job for a year freelance still actually um, with Saatchi Design with Julian Mel Hewish and um, Joe Churchward Churchwood sorry and and a junior designer Tim King um, and who still works with them and we we were rebranding UNSW and Toyota in Australia I did massive guidelines for them Style style guides for them, like two hundred and fifty page wow. setups about. It was kind of before. Uh, I don't want to say. Basically, making the brand responsive. So, what happens if you've got a really tall, narrow thing? What happens if it's super wide billboard, different distances? Yeah. Um, how to use the typeface properly? And I've done a few of those. Yeah, it it was grueling, but it it paid well because it was freelance for the whole year, and then. Uh, I got a scholarship and... But I'm interested in that, that point where you made the decision to get into type, basically. Uh, that really happened when I decided to put a lot of effort into... I had this feeling like I loved type and I loved I loved type and I, I, I couldn't say... I didn't feel like I could genuinely say that to someone you with conviction... He Unless I had closet. some kind of proof. He's a typographer. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. 
I was like, yeah, I love type. And, and <laughs> What's wrong with that you guy? Got, oh. You have to accept this. You He's know. a typographer. Yeah. <laughs> My name's Dave. Um, I'm into type. <laughs> <laughs> Been into type for 15 years. <laughs> I didn't even know it at the time. Yeah. Um, what happened? So we were talking about you getting the scholarship, which I only found out about once you came back as well. But that whole experience sounds sounded insane to me when you were doing that talk at the distillery. Yeah. Like so breaking I, it down. I think the start of that story is while I was... I'm sorry I'm explaining this in, like in a kind of a non-linear way. That's it's, cool. We'll so, just jump around. So I'm, I'm jumping to the point where like I'm... Like pain. <laughs> I'm like... Um, I've, le- I've left Common. I've worked for a few years. I'm at, and I decide to go to India on a... Like tra- just travelling. Um and I spent three months there and I met a Dutch girl and oh, three months is, is a pretty decent it's just I wanted to leave that country yeah very that was good timing I any less I don't think I would have experienced that the full fullness of India right but well the fullness of North India because it's a huge place I didn't really see everything but uh, I, I met a, a girl and that was a large reason why I went or like I knew about the course in the in the Netherlands and I wanted to go there but it is a lot of effort to pick up your life and move it somewhere else Mm. and it just gave me that extra push that I needed and so I put together everything I needed to apply to the course and I flew over to the Netherlands to meet up with the teachers and they took time out of their holidays to see me and I think the interview went well. But at that point, I think that the intake had closed. It's a very right. small course. There's about 10 to 12 people each year who do it and I think around 150 people apply each year. To do wow. And do 150 people fly to the Netherlands for their interview? Because that sounds no. like a pretty big no, I, like, bet on I, yourself. Well, he did secretly want to see a girl as yeah, well. Yeah, I was oh, kind of... Okay, yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, so you use that as part of your pitch so, as well. I flew here just, just, for, this, just for this meeting. Yeah, it's true. They That's how much know. I love time. They didn't know, and we're actually pretty careful about, you know, exposing that too early because I didn't want them to think that I was just there for that reason. Yeah, for sure. I didn't, because I wasn't. Yeah. It, it was for me. And, and to be honest, I think that's why you know we we broke up a while ago but i think that's why the relationship lasted because it's a lot of pressure to put on someone to move to a different country and say it's cuz of you yeah yeah and that's, that's really true. heavy yeah. and it to, i was i was there for me and and it just happened to be a nice thing that we knew each other yeah so yeah i flew over and i tried to get this scholarship that was run by arts new south wales at the time and i failed i didn't get it i think i got shortlisted or something but i didn't acquire acquire it and so I thought I'm going to have to do this myself so that's when I took the job at Saatchi's and I just started to save like a maniac I moved back home with my parents and I just put away everything I could and saved for about a year and then I reapplied for the scholarship got it and uh, that just kind of was the icing on the cake really wow it was called the design traveling scholarship Mm. and it was run by Arts New South Wales and it was I think around eighteen thousand dollars or twelve thousand dollars, something in that area. I can't remember the exact figure, but it was really helpful, and you know, I did pretty much come home with no money. 
So mm. I used it all up, and that enabled me to completely concentrate. It's a really intense course. It's a really yeah. intense course. It's like I remember when you told me you were going to do it, and I was like, wow, okay, that's, that's not just a course that I might do. That's a course that you, you have, have to, to plan for it. Yeah. You have to be committed to the idea of doing it. And I think a lot of people finish that course and go, what do I do now? Like, right. I, I, mm. I, I've, I've spent the last five years planning for this and doing it. And now what do I do? I never want to see a letter again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Some people come out of that course and feel that way. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It is, I mean, it's snowing outside and everyone else in the room is doing exactly what you are doing Mm. and everyone's insane as you are. And it can be like, it can be too much, Mm. but I didn't really feel, I never got to that point. I just loved the whole thing. So what was like the most intense part about it? Because like, how can we how can we understand? It's like it's like the Hogwarts. level of commitment you would need. It's Hogwarts for typographers or type, type designers. designers. T- sorry, type yeah, designers. Typius Maximus. <laughs> <laughs> There's a talk I did at the distillery. If yep. people really want to know what I did every single day, but imagine what you've wanted to do for a really long time, and you haven't been able to find time for it because you're so busy doing other stuff to make sure you can get to the course. And then you're presented with a full schedule of classmates who are really good as well and the teachers who are amazing, like world-class teachers and practitioners. And everyone's just there and it's it's amazing. Like, uh, it's intense, but on, on the high side, it's just... In, it's like a permission to concentrate mm. on something that in everyday life you might not be able to justify. You'd be sitting at home by yourself and going, today I'm going to draw a type. And some part of you would be feel like, get a job. Like, it yeah. would, <laughs> this is, I'm losing my savings here. And, 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 and But mm. essentially the same thing happened to me when I was doing the course. I was just burning through money, mm. focusing on learning how to do something in the best part of nine months or whatever it was. We learned calligraphy. We learned... Um, the history of type we we learned about different tools we learned about python programming but everything revolves around type hmm. and you i it's the kind of intensity where you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about the project that you're working on right i've never it's a good thing it and i there were parts that were hard and tiring but it's the kind of thing that just never left you while you were there I remember going out, getting drunk, watching jazz at this little cool bar in The Hague where all the musicians from the conservatorium would go and just getting blind drunk, riding home in the snow, managing to get home without breaking my arm. And I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have like an italic drawn and I wouldn't kind of remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Some of the curves are a bit wonky, but like I'd be like, oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Gutenberg is working through me. It wasn't channeling. Yeah, it wasn't intended to be an italic, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be a great idea for a a typeface family, right? Like you could could do a whole family (laughs) that's specifically only created when i was like drunk on gin or something oh, like and that. you had to have been to a jazz club and i think but that you'd get different results if you focused on one particular liquor like if it was whiskey mm. i reckon i'd draw a different typeface than it would be if it was gin wow or gin and gin and tonic well there's yeah. there's your next experiment i think i think you're right i, I think, think you do a better job than me <laughs> <laughs> so the day foster work. that left the day foster that came back what was different uh, I felt way more 
confident, like way more self-sufficient because I didn't really have any support network in the Netherlands and it's just great to spend, you know, I'd been to India, I'd been traveling, but it was great to just spend a substantial amount of time away from everyone I knew. And I did, I wasn't on Facebook, like I purposefully left Facebook. I didn't want to feel like, um, you know, I wrote a blog, but that was part of the scholarship. It was kind of an outwards broadcast to the world of what I was doing rather than, you know, what's everyone up to. I think I just felt a lot, I just felt like a grown-up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Came back Dave Foster the man. Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. I, I definitely noticed a change in you when you came back. Oh, really? Yeah, definitely more in the... So you came back and you, you did a couple of speaking uh, engagements quite quickly, didn't you? Yeah, I did one for the distillery um, and I spoke about my time in the Netherlands. One for Jackie Winter? One for Jackie Winter at Field Trip. That's right. Where right, I copiously cool. said the word um and sniffed. <laughs> but it was an hour and I'd never done an hour before and I was also showing my work live. It's online, you can watch it still, but I don't recommend it. Like, it's not very clear <laughs> or cohesive. The distillery one I thought was great. I thought that was good. I like speaking mm. for 20 minutes. I think it's about right. Yeah. Anything more than that, to me, seems a bit redundant. Cool. People get tired, I get tired. Yeah. Yeah. And you're in a really lousy position to hear the person after you. What did you end up with, though? It was a, it was a Masters of... I think the correct thing is Masters of Type and Media. Right. But it's it's a Masters in in type design essentially yeah have you david foster ma yeah i know yeah. <laughs> i was just gonna say this I, yeah no it's not like that it's <laughs> i mean there's other courses for type and they they're much more academic in a way i don't i know i don't even really think about it i don't mm. feel like i have a master's when when you know when you were talking about it just then yeah and i guess also when we've talked about it otherwise it does sound like so it's quite fashionable now to go away to like a kind of retreat and meditate for like 10 days or 20 days. Mm. Or, and the way you describe that school was very much, apart from the getting drunk at jazz clubs, it was very much a meditative kind of like the perfect design meditative kind of experience. I, where, think, you, I think I've never heard it described that way, but I a little bit more involved maybe mm -hmm. than what I understand meditation to mean, but... Just soak it up. Just one thing for a yeah. year. Just imagine doing your favourite thing for a year. I can't even imagine what that would be like. Playing like, Pokemon Go for a year. <laughs> Seriously, like, go to a team house in Korea. Yeah. There'll be people in Korea right now doing that. The StarCraft it's the same teams, thing. right? Esports, man. Esports. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm getting into Overwatch a lot at the moment. That's, yeah. that's starting to happen. Is that what you're yeah. gonna, Is that your year? Year off. Year. If you see any of these people play, like actually play online, though, you realise that you would never be that good. <laughs> no, I it's mean crazy. the the reflexes, the, the actions per minute they're doing is just through the roof, and especially in StarCraft. I don't know. I, I played a lot of FPS in my time. I'm a I'm a gamer, but uh, that game makes me want to vomit. Which one? Overwatch. Overwatch. Yeah. Too much fast stuff. There's like zipping through the air, and there's things and stuff, <laughs> and things and blowing up everywhere. Just Give me a rifle and we'll tank or something. I'm I'm good to go, but yeah. can't can't deal with Overwatch. <laughs> so Battlefield, Battlefield and COD then basically. No, nah, just Starcraft. Starcraft. Uh, yeah. This yeah. is a podcast about design. Yeah, sorry. Size, mate. <laughs> <laughs> We're just bonding. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about some of the stuff you're working on now. Right now, hmm. nothing. 
my StarCraft career is blooming. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you've just... I learning mean, to skate again, you know. Yeah, so what's the... So you told me that about when you walked in. Yeah. So well, the skateboard's everywhere. That's why I mentioned it. Right. I, d- I need to get out of the house. I work in my kitchen. I need to move around. Otherwise, I'm going to... You know, I'm almost 30, so I'm, I'm an old man now, so... I want to know like what your general day looks like and obviously you're working in the kitchen uh, yeah I mean I tend to go through different cyclical things where I try one schedule for a while and see how I like it and I think I just have a habitual thing where I change my schedule a lot so oh, yeah. I do like two or three weeks where I wake up at six and I wake I work till 12 and then I have my breakfast or whatever and there's something in trying to figure out the best way I can work that like designing my workflow which is quite um interesting to me but at the moment working in a pretty relaxed way um the tour de france is on so i i tend to be up at about you're two a massive o'clock. fan of that aren't you yeah um and i'm working on this project at the moment called tour de france where i um i draw <laughs> a new font every day of the tour de france wow using the letters from that stage so if it's like Mont- montpellier to mont ventoux tonight and i it's a really big hill stage and i wrote the words and they're really tall and so it's a that's a slog Mm. Um, there's 21 stages so at the end of it I'll have 21 ideas of what I might potentially want to finish wow as typefaces and it's extend into families um, and it's getting a lot of love on social no, media no not really yeah I mean people following along but it's weird like my Instagram viewership dropped off significantly and I don't know if that's due to the project and people not understanding or whether it's like the algorithm thing that changed I don't know but it went from like you know 400 down to you know, like a, a hundred on average. Right. So it's a big dent. I don't really know what to attribute that to. I feel like people think I'm picking the fonts instead of drawing them. Oh, uh, okay. And they're just like, oh, I can do that. No, <laughs> no fuss. But it does take about four or five hours a day. Like yeah. it takes about the time that it takes them to ride the stage. So it is like kind of a lettering marathon in a way. Wow. A type design marathon. That's cool. It's such a great idea. To see if you can beat them. <laughs> are, you, yeah. are you wearing a yellow jersey when you're doing it? No, I wish. That's like, so yeah, I'm, I'm awake. I'm awake late at night at the moment. Yeah. So I'm waking up pretty late in the morning, um, which is fine. I get the same amount of work done. I can't work more than about six hours in a day. Oh, I really? found that's my, okay. after doing type media, especially when it's so intense, I mm-hmm. found that five to six hours, I, I cannot focus and my work actually gets worse after that point. Okay. I think a lot of us are like that. I, f- I find that I'm a lot like that yeah. as well. I have like hours of power in the morning and yeah. I'm just at peak efficiency and then I just have lunch, come back, I start dropping off. <laughs> and then if I'm making any important decisions in the evening, I wake up in the morning and go, what the hell was yeah. I thinking, man? <laughs> yeah, like, the morning, that was wrong, that was stupid. <laughs> when you wake up, no matter what time of day is, but that generally for me is the time where I'm the most switched on. Yeah. And it's not just because my blood's full of coffee. It's I think there's just cognitively... I'm just way more alert yeah you do your body as far as i understand it does get filled with stress hormones to wake you up in the morning Mm. and that might be a reason um Mm. speculatively why that might happen but a lot of productive people try to get the hardest thing done in the morning yeah and i found significant success with that i find talking about productivity quite interesting a lot of people probably don't but because I have such a flexual, uh, fle- flexual, flexual, <laughs> flexual trade like that, uh, uh, yeah. uh, kind of a, you know, a flexive or what's the right word, flexible schedule, that and I can do whatever I want with it. So uh, these kinds of things are quite interesting. I, mm. I do find it fascinating though as well. And the older I get, the more 
I feel like I'm getting closer to understanding and then something will throw me and I'll be like, oh, wow, I took God. There's so many different schools of thought. Like for a while, for about two weeks, I worked where I would do one hour because I thought, okay, five hours of work each day. If I can actually hold that up for a long period of time, that's actually pretty good. That's, you know, especially if the work's dry. Mm -hmm. So I tried to work for an hour and then have like a two-hour break through the whole day. Oh, wow. So I'd be like two hours on, one hour on, you know, and and just um, work all day. Don't have like a huge break in between or anything, just consistently work. It just got a bit impractical. Right. <laughs> it's actually better. It's just way more convenient to do all your work at once. Yeah. So you do lose a bit of concentration if you stop and start too much. That's the downside. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know, Matt, you're really into that kind of... I Lots of that thinking, like the Pomodoro Yeah, stuff. Pomodoro. Pomodoro is good. Yeah. I found that the Pomodoro, for me as a type designer... I'm just it's getting started at half an hour. Yeah. Not, it's not a writing. I'm not a writer, so mm. yeah. as the amount of writing that you can get done in half an hour is probably significant. But I, I can start to draw a mm. lowercase a, and maybe do like a first draft in that time. But I want to keep rolling after that. Didn't suit me. How do How do you describe what you do to other people who are not involved in design? <laughs> so, um, like. I was catching an Uber the other night and um, the, the lady was, you know, you have that conversation yeah. where they ask you what you do. And she was talking about how she was a hairdresser and stuff. And she said, what do you do? And I said, um, I draw fonts. And she said something like, oh, so you're not very busy then. <laughs> <laughs> and when that happens, I kind of just laugh about it because it is a whole different world. And even I'm amazed that I can make a living from it. Uh it, it's cool that I draw letters and I earn my living from it. Mm. Flynn's actually got down on the on the show notes. How the font do you make money? Yeah, nice one. Look, there's so <laughs> many font puns that we could throw in here. Too many, in fact. But they're obviously low hanging fruit, and so I, I wrote that and I felt really clever. Descending then, fruit. <laughs> I feel like when Dave walked in here, I was like, you know what? He's heard them all. I've got them all, man. This is, is going to go downhill. Up here. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for yeah. taking that bullet for me. But, but anyway, yeah. so what the font? <laughs> um, okay, I guess you could talk about it in streams. One is finishing other foundries' work for them or helping them develop their typefaces that aren't necessarily my intellectual property, but there's a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of grunt work that goes into type design after you've got the idea of it. You've uh-huh. got like A to Z. Okay, but then you need numbers, then you need punctuation, you need punctuation that's for capital letters, you need different versions of the numbers, superscript numbers, subscript, inferior, you know, you need fractions. There are accents that you have to draw, then you have to position them across all the the, the letters. The, this, there's a lot of, you know, there might be small caps, and then you have to do all that again for everything. Wow. And then there's italics, which is just kind of, you know, slanting it, but it's not as simple as that, you have to skew it and then fix it otherwise it it looks wrong and then you have to do that for all the weights and if there's an optical weight you have to do the display version and so so all of a sudden if you just want like an even even a moderately well provisioned typeface it's tens of thousands of or maybe it might be an exaggeration but it's a lot of data that you have to check everything by eye and that's a lot of how I earn my money at the moment. Mm. And what that's taught me working with all these, these people is like how to go about that, how to deal with that problem because it 
throws up a lot of problems. So let's say if you make a change to a letter and you've already done a lot of derivative work from that A or whatever the letter is, then how do you go and manipulate all that data? How do you go and manipulate hundreds of glyphs all at the same time? And if you just want to make everything a bit thinner or, you know. So I've cut my teeth in that mm. way. Like I've got into the type design industry and and I'm um, doing that kind of work. That's a large part of my income right now. The second part is lettering and calligraphy and, um, you know, doing lettering bespoke for clients. It's um, like I'd, Optus, for example. And is then that working directly with clients or is it working with agencies? Usually, or is it a bit of both it's a bit of both, but yeah. usually with a design company. That's why I said they know beginning, you and yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't feel comfortable with their skill in that area and yeah. they want someone to shore it up for them or they need some ideas. The third is custom typefaces. So um, I've done custom typefaces for NAB for Guzman Y Gomez for for Coopers and so that's when a design studio comes to me and goes we need a typeface and I help them bring either their idea to fruition or come up with ideas for them I think that's the main the main sometimes people it's like tweaks and stuff like people come to me for they, they feel like they've got most of it there for a logo type they right. need me to double check it. And again, these are usually designers and things like that. Most of my clients are graphic designers, yeah, cool. except for the type designers. So I really like my position because I don't have to deal with clients. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm really far away from I was, really I was totally leading to that it. question. I'm like, hang on a sec. <laughs> I yeah. kind of sit in my kitchen really far away from all the problems of the design world yeah. and just talk to designers in a language that we both speak and... Mm. I find it really comfortable. I really love it. So you can get you can get pretty nerdy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I loved watching nice. at the design conference when we saw Jessica Hirsch um, talk about. I'm trying to remember her the name of her talk with how I became boring or how I and, was it? God, I don't remember. And, and it was she, a great talk though. It was an amazing talk, and she literally went through how her career started, like you know, doing kind of wild fonts, and, mm. and now she literally does. She redoes the MailChimp logo, yeah. um, and most people can't see the difference, but you know it's all now, now typographically correct mm. sort of thing, and and how much joy she gets out of that now. Yeah, and she was saying a similar sort of thing, just that she she gets to really focus on the area that she really loves. Yeah, it's a. I think it's a rare thing. You know, I feel really grateful that I found out what I wanted to do early, mm. managed to get into a position where I could pursue that, and now I'm doing it. So. Not that I ever had like a grand vision of the steps involved because I just kind of blundered my way through it and I just took <laughs> the opportunities as they appeared to me. If someone described to me my job now and my lifestyle to to my earlier self, yeah. I would be so stoked. Like I'm it's just it's just worked out really nicely. I mm. don't know what that's due to, but it's just it is what it is. Let's talk about the Optus. Yeah. Optus job. I mm. like I I'm, I'm really enjoying these telecommunications companies and their budgets for rebranding and redesigning themselves over the last sort of six to seven years because I feel like I know just about everybody involved in some way. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like and who, people yeah. have moved and shaked and, and yeah. you know, Chris McLean's obviously worked on the Telstra one and then kind of now he's at Re and mm. I'm sure you're working with him for the yeah. Optus rebrand and, of course, 
I think even when we had Jason on, yeah, Jason Little on the show, which yep. was actually last year, and he was talking about that brand and, and everything. So there's a really cool case study, I think, that Jackie Winter has put up, or maybe you put up on Behance. Yeah, that just went up this process. evening. So um, Really? Yeah, yeah no, oh, we're, wow. we're so all over, like, bang. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's yeah. Breaking news. I think it go. popped up just as I came over here, so <laughs> you're right on the money, man. It's incredible, yeah. I'm watching, watching you guys like a hawk. <laughs> <laughs> I recently went down to Melbourne to talk through some stuff with them and talk to them about type design because um, they're not type designers and they need to be you know, educated as much as the next person. So I went down mm. and spent a few days down there and we put together that little uh, that little project and cool. it just runs through you know, the steps um, involved with a project like that. A lot of lot of small tweaking because it is gonna like it is everywhere now and it's mm. kind of cool. It's the first job I think I've done that it I can't escape. Like it's it's mm. just everywhere and it's it's really exciting. Like it's really fun to see my work everywhere. Easier to explain to people. Yeah, actually, do. that's what I should do. <laughs> when the Uber woman asks me what my job is next, yeah. I'll be like, I "Did the Optus logo? Yeah, <laughs> what are you doing?" <laughs> Just one star her as yeah. you get out. Like, <laughs> Dave Foster. You yeah. never know. You never know. <laughs> um, Optus. I don't know. What do you want to know about it? Well, well take no. us through the process maybe. Um, so they weren't sure whether it was going to be the logo or not. There was a bit of right. debate about whether they were actually going to change their whole name or not. But they knew that no matter what happened, that yes would be a very prominent part of the identity like the feature of the identity yeah they can't get rid of that now they own it they had such a clear vision of how it would work and fluctuate and behave with images and how it would roll out so they had a they had a pretty clear vision of that sorry optus did or redid no redid okay i think from everything i've heard that um optus were really just um cooperative with Re and, and they were yeah. really excited by everything they did okay so they got me involved at a point where they had some rough calligraphy they commissioned me to do further exploration with calligraphy as as what would be used as the basis for the the mark and i did that but we initially, we went back to what they had which is some calligraphy at, done on their end and it was not it was quite a, it was pretty imbalanced but it was it was it had the idea that the ENS were far apart yeah I can't say that I had any part in that that's all them and it was a matter of getting that idea and refining it into something that would comfortably be plastered everywhere and would be responsive and and Mm. interact with things the way they wanted it getting that space right between the ENS was actually really difficult because it they had to test it around a lot of objects, people, ob- other brands. Like, mm. you know, it can – we drew it so it can expand a little bit as well. Yeah, I've seen some – it's like inside like the Usain Bolt kind of doing yeah. – it's showing some motion and the things re- like that. I, I was That's amazed cool. by the animations. Yeah, that was I, great. I've never spoken to the people who did the animations, but I, I love what they did with it. Yeah. Normally I give them a shape, and the shape uh, is solid. You can't – so I'm trying to explain this the right way. For example, where the S loops over itself, instead of it just being one contour for the outside of the S and then the counter of the Mm. S where the loop is as another shape, 
the Bezier path actually runs through the middle of the S. Uh. And so they can, when you're doing like tweens and stuff with it and animating it, you don't have to guess where that line would be right. you can through see, the yeah. S. And I yeah. think that adds a lot to it. Mm. It adds a lot to the way the, the motion of it is. And as a type designer, my instinct is never to do that because it can actually look wrong. So, for example, on an X, if you have two diagonal lines intersecting with each other, if you just cross two lines over each other, it looks wrong. It, it, it is an optical illusion where the, the two lines, r- the one running from the top right to the bottom left, looks disjointed. You wouldn't think it, but if you look really? at it, it just looks wrong. And what we do as type designers is really just change stuff the, so that it looks the same or looks right. Right. We have to kind of break the line and offset them so that the line looks continuous through the X. Really? Yeah. Oh, so like it, like literally just doing that, like two pieces of tape kind of thing. Yeah, it'll look wrong. Wow. Yeah. It'll spin you out next time you do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I want to go. Dr- this is gonna be, yeah, this is going to be one of those things that you're just going to you just going to see it all the time. So there's like there's tons or? of that stuff in type design. Yeah, like horizontal lines being needing to be thinner than vertical lines, and circles needing to be bigger than flat edge things like squares and oh wow, and hmm. just pools and pools of things you need to change so that it looks like it's the way it should be. That was a difficult challenge just to get mm. that little line running through the S so that it looked real and then it. It was there, so a bit of a tangent, but anyway. Um, the rest of the project was fairly simple. It was just taking direction, and they had a fairly rough version digitized as well, and I took that and repaired it a little bit and looked back at the original calligraphy and made some adjust- adjustments to the weight and spacing, and, and it was pretty simple, really. It's not a really mm. complicated project. Um, just lucky to have been brought in at that point i mean we're talking about working with designers i've 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 got this tweet that i saw ages ago and you've got it pinned yeah it's you know just what I'm pinned because right? it's the most popular tweet i've ever done all oh, right yeah. so just up there to just continue <laughs> getting mm. i should do that it's not really like a mantra i have or anything okay cool should probably read it so we know what we're talking about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for those that aren't here why do typefaces cost money uh, go make one and find out and so i don't know how long it takes to make okay. a font or, or or type and things like that, do you like? I feel like that's there because there is like a misconception of yeah, how, how I think much, it's part of the reason. How many hours and yeah. there's people behind making the fonts and things like that. People stealing fonts, people not paying people, people not wanting to pay things. I think that's part of the reason why the tour de fonts um, thing I'm doing at the moment isn't particularly uh, picking up traction because I, for me, I understand how much work is involved in type, but I don't think my people do in fact i know most people don't even Mm. designers who are working at a fairly high level so it does it can take anywhere depending on how many weights and whether there's italics and how many glyphs are in each font it can take somewhere between kind of it's a really big spectrum and it depends on whether the client is you because you get more picky or whether there's a deadline and you have to get it done. But it can be thousands of hours. Like, it can take years to do typeface. Yeah. It can also take a few days. It can take 40 or 400 hours. Or it can, like, I've on my graduation project, I don't know why, but I've probably spent close to about 1,500 hours on it. And it's only four weights with italics. 
Wow. Is it because you've agonized over it because you wanted yeah, it to be perfect? Yeah, I want it to yeah. be really good. And I think people have a genuine sense of what's good. I think that when people see something that's good, they understand that, maybe not knowing why. But to me, it's just terrifying because it's my first typeface and mm. it has my name on it. And typefaces don't go away very quickly. And unlike the ephemeral world of the graphic design, is is that you know you design a website or a brochure or a brand that's gone in two years or three years, but mm. the typeface lasts for a long time. And a lot of it's my indecision and my self doubt. But it also just takes a hell of a long time, even if you're confident, to roll out a project in a type in a in, in the type design world. There are a lot of processes. You have to draw the letters. The spacing is part of drawing the letters. You have to write features that know tell the font, you know, when to substitute other glyphs in, like ligatures. Proof what you've done. You have to design stuff to test it in the context then iterate over drawing and spacing a lot of times to get it right spacing is a really organic thing there's no there's no like measuring rule or guidebook on how to do it that i found that works anyway then you have to make exceptions to spacing with kerning in the font that involves looking at every combination of glyph that's realistically going to occur in every language right so you have to have a good understanding of linguistics that like an a organic won't what might appear next to uh, a J in like Lithuanian or something. I don't know if that's true, but like yeah, I was going to say it's what's like an A organic. <laughs> an A is a, a lowercase A with a small hook hanging off the bottom of it. It's used in Polish, right? right. Um, okay, um, and a bunch of other languages. But you have to you have to not spend a lot of time kerning stuff that's not going to happen. So, for instance, you'd right. never have a an Icelandic F next to a German double S. That will never happen. Right, so you don't need to plan for that No, but you do need to know everything else, which is a hell of a lot of stuff. And I think I look at tens of thousands of combinations, but then there might be 2,000 exceptions in the font itself saying, VA, kern that tighter, you know, um, there's an uppercase T next to a lowercase O, and the O needs to tuck in. Mm. So there's two prime examples of kerning. And then you need to... um, have it mastered and hinted and and shipped and marketed and it there's a lot involved yeah, yeah. Mm. we had mark stott come around the other day for lunch and he was saying the one of the big problems he sees is people are forgetting how to kern or they're not learning to kern properly i think that's an antiquated problem no disrespect to mark but mm. i think if you if you need to kern as a graphic designer you're buying bad fonts wow okay i think it's a, a problem that happened in the 90s, With maybe the Adobe just font collection. And fonts are really archaic things. They're just a bit of... They're jumbled software. You know, Apple, Adobe, Microsoft, they all had hands in fonts at different times for different reasons, and yeah. they're a bit messy as technology. And Remember when you'd have to have, like, small caps as a separate font because you could only have a certain amount of letters in one font? I think it helps to understand very much, and I think what Mark might be getting at is that if you use a typeface and you have one font that is meant for large sizes and small sizes that you should track out the small type and that kerning appears differently at different sizes. So if you kern a typeface for body text, mm. if, if the purpose of that font is to be set at small sizes, when you set it in a big headline, the kerning won't seem tight enough. 
because I don't know why. That's just the way it is. <laughs> and I think that's probably what he's getting at. Yeah. But, but for the majority of cases, with typefaces that have optical weights, so what I mean by optical weight is that there is a font specifically designed for large sizes and maybe the hairlines are, are more thin and yeah. the details are crispier and and text typefaces seem to to be a little wider and a bit heavier and a bit more blunt and direct so that they can withstand smaller there's you know like ink traps and stuff like that yeah if you're buying a typeface like that you don't you shouldn't need to do anything and i think that's kind of made quite clear on the web is that it's perfectly you're perfectly able to have a really good typography on the web now and you don't need to go in and remember when that first happened and everyone was whinging, I can't kern the letters. Yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. need to. Just that's what I. That's my job yeah, is to yeah. figure that out. Like I look at letters all day. Let me do it. Yeah, it has. I mean, it has opened up massively. Huge amounts. Yeah. Because I think I think we were getting used to bad typography on the web for a while. <laughs> Nick like, of time yeah, saved by the like, Oh well, that's that's just the way it is. So. Yeah. Very good. That's actually going to take us to the end, guys. All right. Nice one. Yeah, no worries. very good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Um, so what we do at the end of the show is just kind of go around the table and find out, you know, if people want to find out more about you and what you're doing and things like that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Instagram, all that stuff. Where right can on. where can people find you? They can find me at Foster Type. And that's pretty much on Instagram, Twitter, and every other social media account or fostertype.com. If you send me an email, you can say dave at fostertype.com. I won't read out my phone number. Probably That's a bit a personal, idea. but yeah. Matt? And, and you're um, you're <laughs> represented by Jackie Winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah within Australia. Yeah, yeah. I'm at uh, Leechworth on Twitter. You are, although everyone's saying Twitter's dead. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I have to. So move. why point people there then? I don't know because I haven't. I'm send to your send to your Snapchat account. It's going to be huge. <laughs> it's going to be huge. It is huge. It's massive. Just yeah. at it's going to be huge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you can find me on everything at Flynn Tracy. Um, you can find this episode and more at australiandesignradio.simplecast.fm. And you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at AUS Design Radio. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. That went so quick.